Welcome to Corizant Technologies, home of the Digital Executive Podcast. Welcome to the Digital Executive. Today's guest is Nick Vandiver. Nick Vandiver serves as the CEO of ThoughtTrace. During his tenure, he has led the transformation of ThoughtTrace into a company that is a technology and thought leader for the application of applied artificial intelligence and machine learning. As a software CEO, Mr. Vandiver believes that product innovation, reliability, and an outstanding user experience are the required ingredients for exceptional performance and long-term value. Well, good afternoon, Nick. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. You bet. This is exciting. Love to get on these podcasts. Of all the things I do across my busy day, this is absolutely the most exciting part of my day, bar none. So Nick, we're going to jump right into the questions here. You've got quite the career. You started out in the military. Thank you for your service on Veterans Day, by the way. Appreciate uh, it. You bet. I served in the Marine Corps as well. So you've got a lot of leadership background. And now you're the CEO of Thought Trace. Could you share with our audience the secret to your career growth and what inspires you? You know, I, w- I wouldn't say there's any particular secret to my path or career growth. I think the recurring theme for me, and it led me really to where I am and not, not in a planned way, is I always tried to do things that would interest me, which seems like an obvious statement. But, you know, I actively look for things that I thought looked intriguing or interesting or that would get me excited. And I pursued those things. And when something became a little less interesting or a lot less interesting as the case may be, I do my best to kind of make a graceful exit, right? I went through my time in the Army, thoroughly enjoyed it, met some of the best friends of my life. It was a great experience. It certainly made me, I think, who I am today, probably more than any, anything else I've experienced in my life. You know, there came a time when looking forward was a little bit less interesting than what I'd experienced up to that point. So I was never afraid to switch and led me to where I am now. And I've been with Thoughtress with the company for a while at this point, pre even the period in which we were, were doing things with AI software. And with respect to leading this company, I always look for things that we could do as a company that were inherently interesting and we would go pursue those. That's just led to a, I would say, a very fruitful path and an enjoyable one as well from a career perspective. Thank you, Nick, for sharing that. We appreciate that. And again, thank you for your service. We're going to jump into the second question, which is really relevant across the globe. And as you know, everybody globally has had to make major shifts due to this new normal, right? The pandemic. Could you share with us what you're doing to help your organization stay relevant in this economy? It's interesting for us. So in terms of demand for what we do, like demand for netting it out, like the ability of a software to read and understand very dense subject matter in a way that a human being does, that certainly has not gone down with COVID. Like that need was there, that need is there, and that need will continue to be there. I think for us, like a lot of organizations, the biggest challenge that we face or learning experience, I would say that we've had is adjusting organizationally to account for the fact that in-person interaction, be it among our team with our employees, our team members, or with our customers, those things have been far less frequent and less likely. And there are some, in fact, there are a lot of interactions that are better off in person. So for work from home and and remote work has helped us a lot. And we we had a bit of an advantage in that we really embraced that pre-COVID as well, but that's helped us a great deal. I think the most interesting thing that'll come out of this will not be how we or other organizations change to adapt to COVID, but it will be as we come out of COVID, how will it change how we think about our organizations going forward, right? And I'd say for us, we've gotten really good at remote collaboration. It's been great. And I, I see certainly more, not less of that going forward, but we've also come to appreciate like the 
very specific types of interactions and meetings and collaboration that is without question done best face-to-face. And so I think putting things in their respective categories and then creating the circumstances, and those could be the tools, you know, your Zoom or whatever Microsoft Teams you prefer for your, uh, your remote work versus saying, okay, for other sort of creative tasks, we really do need to come together in embracing that. So I don't think the future is going to look like, hey, everybody's 100% work from home, or you have some companies that just shut it down and say, everybody's got to be in the office. I think more of a hybrid model is what a lot of companies, and especially companies that are engaged in creative work, I think that hybrid model is something that we're highly likely to go to and figure out how to work with going forward. Thanks for sharing that, Nick. I appreciate it. I think it's important that we all realize the changes that we've had to adapt to the last six or seven months, and we're just going to have to move into it optimistically, but hopefully as things return to normal, the old normal, we'll be able to find that perfect balance, that hybrid, like you mentioned. So Nick, let's jump into question three. This is my favorite part. You know, I'm a technologist by trade. I know you're leveraging some of the emerging technology within your product and platform, specifically AI and machine learning. Anything that you are able to share with our audience today? Absolutely. So we uh, we do leverage AI to kind of touch on this before, but we leverage AI to facilitate our software reading very subject matter specific content within documents, much the same way a human being would, like quite literally reading for content and subject matter within a given domain. So to do that, you've got to, of course, leverage pretty robust AI algorithms that are built on a wide variety of data that is relevant to the use case that you're trying to address. We do a lot of cool things with NLP and other technologies in that vein. We are very definitely an AI company, but I think for us, the interesting thing is we don't want the experience of using our software to feel like somebody has to know or understand AI to get the value from it. And the analogy I would use is we had a Halloween, what, a week ago, a week and a half ago, whatever it may have been. But everybody's going around taking pictures with their phones and this amazing image cleanup is happening at the device level and things like that, which is leveraging pretty cool machine learning algorithms, right, for specifically computer vision and and the image cleanup itself. But in that process, like none of us are thinking about using AI. It is just a seamless activity that is part of the thing that we're doing and we get the value from it without necessarily thinking about it. And I think in the B2B space for us and for other companies and in different disciplines and domains that are practitioners of AI, like we should look at that B2C example and strive for it. I think at the end of the day, most people, there are some use cases where people certainly want AI toolkits, but I think for most applications of AI, it's not about the AI, right? Like it's about the new data or the information that it creates. It's about the new experience that it creates. It's about something new that that tool has made possible that would not have been the case before. But we've got to be able to deliver that in a way that's a seamless experience, not unlike taking a picture on your phone. And that's really how I think we have to pursue it in the B2B space. It's something I think a lot of folks struggle with right now, a lot of companies, but that's really got to be the goal at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. That seamless integration and and how do people, and I think that's why, you know, adoption of products sometimes, if it's too much of a learning process, people just throw it aside. I remember voice dictation back in healthcare years ago, just wouldn't catch on because it was too cumbersome. But now things, uh, like you said, if it's a seamlessly integrated, it'll be adopted a lot faster. So thanks for sharing that. And so Nick, this is the big question. My audience wants to know a little bit more about Nick. Could you share something from your career experience that would be helpful for those looking to grow their career in technology or leadership? I would say a few things like number one, reading a lot. 
you know, some of the smartest and most successful people I've known that, that I look up to, they tend to have one thing in common. They read a lot. They read a lot of books, not just professional development, but they actively read outside of their specific domain to have a better broad base of knowledge about the world in general. And I think that is immensely beneficial. And I'd think of it this way. If the sum of your leadership experience is just what you personally have experienced up to that point in your life, that's a pretty limited window. But if I can via reading, quite literally go and borrow other people's experiences and incorporate that into how I'm going to deal with a problem or a situation or an interaction with another person in the future, that really gives me kind of cheating, right? Like you're taking other people's experience and time and incorporating into your own in, in a very positive way that I think can really round you out much faster than, than otherwise. So I think that's one of the main things. I would add to that, like if somebody thinks about career moves and what they do next, getting on the absolute best team you possibly can, even if you're not the smartest person on that team, even if you're not in the leadership role on that team, get on the most dynamic team you possibly can. You will get things done and it will further you in ways that you you cannot even anticipate. But great things come from great teams. I think there are numerous examples of that from a leadership perspective. You know, I'd say kind of busting the bubble or the notion of what people think of a CEO or somebody in a leadership role as, I think you've got to be very genuine and honest with yourself about who you are and how you want to lead. There's a great book out there called The CEO Next Door that's based on some very good research. But oftentimes, the most effective leaders are not what sort of the media or popular culture makes them out to be, right? It's not necessarily, doesn't always have to be the most gregarious person or the person that's most likely to speak up first. But it is somebody that really understands the people around them and how to add value for them and how to lead by example, right? So I would say oftentimes people that are aspiring to leadership positions think that the outward perception of them is going to be the key thing to get them there. And it's not. It's really not like focusing on what you do and do well and leading by example is really, I think, the most tried and true and demonstrable via data and information. Like it is the way to lead and, and do it most effectively. Going back, you mentioned you were in the Marine Corps. I, I was an Army guy, but I think one thing that we learned really early in our careers, and it's whether you're a enlisted guy that becomes a fire team leader for the first time or a platoon leader, company commander, or whatever it may be, but the concept of decentralized decision-making I think is immensely important to high-functioning teams. Like you get this beaten into you in the military if you're in a good unit, but I think it works very well in the private sector as well. And that's the idea is the person or people making the decision at any given point in time needs to be the lowest level unit possible. It needs the people that are closest to the action and the consequences of that decision, the folks that really understand the subject matter that they're dealing with. And as a leader, that means being very comfortable delegating your decision-making and then existing to support people in the decisions that they make, right? I think that has to be crystal clear in terms of leadership philosophy and how you communicate that to members of your team. That said, as you lay out a vision and you lay out a path forward, being very clear with your team members, if you're in a leadership role, about the what and the why of what you're trying to accomplish, but never the how. Lay out the what, like lay out the intent and why we're trying to do that thing, but you've got to leave the how how it's actually going to be executed. You've got to leave that to your people. This is how not to become a micromanager, which I think is, is absolutely critical. And then the final thing I'd say is, especially if you're starting your own company or early on in an organization, but you've really got to own the hardest and most stressful decisions, right? Those are things that is a personal leadership role. You've got to take it upon yourself, whether you're thinking performance reviews or turns out somebody's not a fit for your team or whatever it may be. When you hit that point of friction where the decision that gets made is going to be something that is of immense consequence consequence and does bring a substantial amount of stress to other people, you've got to own that thing, right? For better or worse at the end of the day.
Nick, thanks for sharing that. I appreciate the nuggets of wisdom. And, and you know, you were talking about borrowing other people's leadership experience or their life experiences, right? What I'd like to say is I get to take your story today and turn around and share it with a very large global audience. And so I appreciate that. And I think this would totally resonate with your message as well. So thanks again. And Nick, it was a pleasure having you on today. And I look forward to speaking with you real soon. Thank you very much. Bye for now. Oh,